Lights, sound. Okay for sound. Action. The Bride of Frankenstein. Hello and welcome back to Screen 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. Yes, and we're here to talk about another uh, Frankenstein offshoot. We're going to be doing Gods and Monsters, which is maybe the least horror-y movie we've ever done. Um, but first, let's You guys did Mamma Mia back in the day. I stand uh, confirmed still. Um, anyway, so we are here. But that, you really you threw me off with your talking. Why would you talk on this podcast where you're a co-host, Sergio? I don't know. I just like to throw wrenches and things. <laughs> um, I get in trouble when I throw them at cars. True. Anyway, um, we are going to do 10 word reviews of a movie we watched in the past week, which I also wouldn't call a horror movie. It's 2020's The Grudge. Okay. Um, my review is scrupulously pointless, a heady, unscary disappointment. Um, star-studded cast yields, um, unimpressive movie. Sad. <laughs> Great. I am <laughs> paraphrasing my letterbox review. Yeah, we, you know, that's what this is here for. Yeah. I, th- I do that almost every time. Um, anyway, so, uh, here's a plot off the back of my DVD of Gods and Monsters, winner of the best screenplay adaptation of 1998 Oscar anyway we all have us an oscar movie yeah okay ian mckellen delivers a riveting award-winning performance as hollywood director james whale it's 1957 and whale's heyday as the director of frankenstein bride of frankenstein and the invisible man is long behind him (laughs) retired and a semi-recluse he lives his days accompanied only by images from his past when his dour housekeeper hannah lynn redgrave hires a handsome young gardener clayton boone brendan fraser that's such a porn name the flamboyant Brendan Fraser? No, Clayton Boone. Oh. Uh, the flamboyant director and simple yard man develop an unlikely friendship. This powerful and poignant relationship will change their lives forever. Uh, now that you mention it, I do wonder if there's like a Clayton Boone on Sean Cody or like a Randy Blue out uh, there. There must be, or maybe like a Boone Clayton or mm-hmm. just something. Yeah. Um, Boone Clayton, I feel like I've heard before. <laughs> yeah. And also, I will say, nothing changes your life forever more than dying. So that definitely is true of the James Whale character, for sure. Yeah. Uh, spoiler Spoilers. alert. But also, you know, you know, he he done dead. He was he was making movies in the 30s. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we usually rate all of our movies out of five on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality. And we're going to keep some of those. But because this isn't a horror movie, we're going to have to change it up a little bit mm-hmm. so instead of scariness out of five let's do like dramaticness or like drama or like oscariness or whatever you know yeah pick your adjective yeah um i would give it a four Ooh, okay. on the oscary dramaness of it all it was very dramatic over the top i loved it mm-hmm. this movie's very much in my wheelhouse brennan would you give it um i'm giving it a three um, How dare you? No, I thought it was a very well crafted. Like, I had a drink, I would throw it oh at my you. God. The, see, that's the drama. <laughs> um, I thought it was a very well crafted, like Oscar bait drama, mm-hmm. but I, fa- I thought it was pretty low key. Like, it's kind of a day in the life type of movie and not a. Which are Oscar y type dramas. No, yes. Yeah, it's very. Okay, if we're doing Oscariness, then yes, it's higher. Uh-huh. Um, but it's. 
it's not like a high drama. It's like a low key character study, mm-hmm. which is why I was kind of like trying to middle it out a little bit. Yeah. The movie is very much an old person in their dying days recounts events of their youth that leads them to this point that gives you insight into the person they were when they were younger and the person mm. they've since become and how sad it is that they become this person now that they're older because they are no longer the person they once were. Yeah. Those sound like, or that review sounded like nonsense. The scribblings of a madman. Yes. Yeah. Was it a madman? Was I mad? Yes, you were, you was a madman. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yes, um, this is definitely Bill Condon's pain and glory. Mm-hmm. Like it's his old man's movie, which is interesting because he made it in 1998 so long ago. And How that, like young would he have been then? <sighs> let me look it up. Because um, he's been around a minute, I I there's de- I definitely know of an early script that he wrote of a movie in '81. So he's been around, but let me see. But yeah, because now he's back to making like young people's movies. He's making Beauty and the Beast and all this uh, Breaking Dawn. Yeah, parts one and two. Um, what a career this man has had. But anyway, he was born in '55. Um, I would have made him about forty. Yeah, forty-three. Um, only 20 years younger than James Whale was when he died. He was only in his early 60s. Really? That's yeah, so young and so is. tragic that he thought himself a dinosaur at 63. Well, I mean, he'd been not working in Hollywood for like over a decade at that point, and he'd had a stroke and he was in a lot of pain. And, you know, Makes sense. That's still true. Just he, Yes, doesn't seem that old, does it? No. I mean, at 63, like, I mean, whomst amongst us has not been 63? Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, and also, I guess, the you know, th- this was the 50s. So, like, life expectancy was, you know, considered. Oh, yeah. Different. So it was an earlier time. When was the movie set? This movie was set in 1957. Okay, cool. Did they make that obvious? It. They did not make it clear what specific year it was set in. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's James Whale, and it's a only a couple decades out of away from Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an old movie to them, but not, like crazy old Mm -hmm. like and you know he was he fought in world war one like that's kind of the time frame we're looking at Mm -hmm. okay because i wasn't sure of what the year was supposed to be i mean the tvs looked old but we only saw like a couple tvs and most of them were in bars so i was like oh it's the 70s or the 80s that's true it it is easy to forget that this is a period piece because it's mostly set in a very fancy house Mm -hmm. um like the grudge oh god well, no, not even. You're right. I was transported to the early aughts. Well, also, no, it was also really easy to forget that The Grudge was a period piece until she pulled out her enormous laptop and you're like, oh, yeah, this is in 2004. Mm-hmm. I just thought she was a poor cop, <laughs> a poor public servant who has to use all this old tech. Yeah, fair enough. Um, But yeah, so this movie is definitely very uh, Oscar bait-y. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's got the sad old man story. It's got... Um, it is a little green booky of like, we never saw that, so we can't use that adjective. No, but no, just in the sense of the literal, the just the optics of it. Um, it's about two people who shouldn't get along getting along. Okay, like it's about an older gay man and a young straight man like finding an unlikely friendship, and the Oscars eat that shit up, you know. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I really like, because at first I was like, is this a love story? Like, where is this going? I'm not quite sure exactly how we're going to be connecting these two characters. It's but about the mo- about the bonds of male friendship. It is. Um, but also it gets, especially Amadovari in a very like twisted kinky way in the very end. Um, when basically oh, it's completely wild. It's, it's uncomfortable to watch, but especially just cause Ian McKellen is being kind of predatory towards Brendan Fraser in a lot of this movie. 
Um, but he basically kind of comes on to him in a very aggressive physical way in an attempt to ignite gay panic and get him to murder him mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to live anymore. And he mm-hmm. wants to like create a monster to send him out of this world, mm-hmm. which is, and when Brendan Fraser realizes that is when he softens and that kind of actually cements their relationship mm-hmm. and that turning that like violent fervor into something like actually kind of sweet and genuine. I thought was a very Almodovari touch, mm-hmm. very tie me up, tie me down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked that a lot. All right. So you said a lot right now in that uh-huh. little nutshell. Uh-huh. Um, we have to unpack quite a bit of it. Okay. And all of it is, I guess, dramatic. So first off, the movie is about, you know, the maker of Frankenstein. Yes. And so much of the movie is spent him talking about his previous work, but also like the supposed monsters and who are they and who is not the monsters. So who would you say is the monster? Oh, that's a question. Who would you say is the monster? Well, I don't know. The movie leads us to believe that Brendan Fraser is kind of the monster, right? Like, because during no. the fuck. What, what do you mean? No. He says, well, I mean, are you, oh, because in the sense of like. I'm talking about the final scene before we find out he's dead. In the one that's set in like the World War Two bat or World War One battlefield, uh-huh. like because we do keep getting interstitials of like a monster dragging someone through the graveyard, mm-hmm. and then they come into focus, and it is Brendan Fraser uh-huh. and Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like my question to you is like, who is that monster character, or what is the monster that they're talking about? Um, I mean, I think the monster is a lot of things. I think, um, the monster. It would mostly be Ian McKellen, I would say. Yeah. But more so in the sense of society and time have are the monsters that make him do the things that he does and be the way that he is. Mm-hmm. All right. Because um, I don't think either of them are a monster. They both make very bad decisions. Well, and they do the very bad things. Yeah, isn't that the whole point of like what he's talking about throughout the movie? Is that like you know society kind of exists in shades of black and gr- sorry shades of gray, not black and white. Uh-huh. Um and uh, he can see the humanity and like the faults in everyone, and like he wanted to make that one movie, but it was uh, like it gave too much uh, like humanity, I guess, to the German characters or whatever. And so then he was sad when the studio like took the teeth out of it and made it a slapstick comedy mm-hmm. instead of presenting the like duality of the character in much the way that Frankenstein did and is kind of known for. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or is that around? No, that makes sense. But I think while you were talking, I kind of hit on. A bigger point that the movie's making. Okay, go ahead. Um, because there's this movie is mostly about Bride of Frankenstein. That's the movie it selects as its kind of focal the one point. that we get like cuts of randomly. Yeah, many clips <laughs> of. <laughs> we just um, watch him Bride of Frankenstein like halfway through the movie at one point. That is true. And towards the end, we get like pretty significant clips of Bride of Frankenstein. Um, but then there's the part of the fact that the monster is not the monster mm-hmm. um, because there's that really sad moment when um, Hannah played by Lynn Redgrave, the, uh, the maid yeah. caretaker uh, housekeeper. She does it all. Yeah. She does, she's a multi-talent. Um, she's watching Bride of Frankenstein with him on TV. And she says um, like this, this movie wasn't my cup of tea, but I liked that it had a happy ending. Like the good people lived and the bad people died. And you could see him be kind of hurt by that because mm-hmm. Frankenstein the monster is not a bad person and he Uh doesn't deserve to die. Uh And that's the point of that movie. Mm -hmm. Like it's about alienation and loneliness and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And 
it's about how the the people that society chooses to outcast like by his age and his health by his sexuality mm-hmm. and there's a moment at a party where his longtime boyfriend has to ignore him so as not to incite rumors that he is gay mm-hmm. um and it's 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 rough and it, it's about how society chooses to make you the monster whether or not you are mm-hmm. i think oh it's beautiful man i'm so happy that my argument could lead you to make that point yeah you know that's what this is that's what it's all about Really? About you leading me to great things. Yes. <laughs> Behind every Brennan is a great Sergio. Yeah. Um, no, but that's that's a really salient point. One thing I'd like to uh, clear up, though, is you sure. said that the maid, um, Lynn Redgrave, said that the movie was not her c- c- cup of tea. She actually said it wasn't her teacup. And I know. that was great. It, that's true. I just I didn't want to be like mocking her English as a second language specifically. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, that wouldn't be mocking. She literally said yeah, that. Yeah, she's an English actress. I'm pretty sure she's Dame Lynn Redgrave by this point. Whatever. Um, yeah. And and her role was really interesting. I think she's where I found the most emotion is because she does love James Whale. And she is like... Despite a, what her upbringing would lead you to believe? Yeah. She's like a very conservative Christian woman. Catholic. Catholic, sorry well catholics are christian but you're right that it's an important distinction in mm-hmm. this case um and she genuinely believes that because of the way he's lived his life he's going to go to hell mm-hmm. but she loves him anyway mm-hmm. and i think that's honestly the most christian way to be mm-hmm. like if you're actually doing it right mm-hmm. um and i found her character to be very compelling and when she finally loses him when he kills himself it's a really rough scene and that's what hurt me more than the death itself much in the same way as spoiler alert for Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I didn't care when, you know, or I guess Infinity War and Endgame. I don't care about Iron Man's fate. I care about how Spider-Man feels about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that's my comparison that I chose to use. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the movie's saying anything about capitalism with her character in that, you know, this woman who's salt of the earth can see through all the shit and, like, want to help him out mm-hmm. instead of his friends who... You could argue we're in it only for the money, like, uh, you know, kind of abandon him and leave him alone because he is an old man who's very alone. Yeah. Um, is there a scene that affected you the most? Um, one scene, one scene that I really liked and enjoyed, I don't know that mm-hmm. it affected me necessarily, was, um, or if like, you know, tore me asunder, you know, uh-huh. just gave me the feels, was the garden party scene. Uh-huh. I really liked all of that. It was fun. It was beautiful. It showed California in all its glory. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking to his old monsters. Um, well, he's talking to that journalist that we meet at the beginning of the movie, right? And he, the well, he's, not, he's not a journalist. He's just a film student oh. who is a very excitable twink. Okay. He was talking to this twink, right? And the twink is like, let me introduce you to your monsters. And like, I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, what is this twink babbling on about? Uh-huh. Um, and then, like, sure enough, the old actors, you know, the Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, Boris Karloff and Elsa Lanchester. You know, he's, they show up and then they start taking pictures. And then, like, you know, it's, she mutters the line, like, it must be nice to be famous or whatever. Isn't it nice to be famous, I think, is what she says. Mm-hmm. And they just take a bunch of pictures and it flashes back for him to, like, you know, the scenes of the war and he had just talked about how he felt kind of guilty about surviving mm-hmm. he talked about like how he would see corpses and be like well better you than me you know and that how that kind of made him be a monster which ties into your to our yeah. earlier point of isn't ian mckellen the monster yeah and he is and he isn't he's a monster in the same way that james will created all of his monsters mm-hmm. um and that they're incredibly sympathetic and more human than the humans in the way that we are all monsters yeah 
We're all little monsters. Go Lady Gaga. Okay, we're done. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was going to say something that the I The scene that impacted forgot. you the most? Or are you oh, sure of that? Oh, um, two scenes impacted me the most. Um, first is because he's, he's had Brendan Fraser sit down for a lot of uh, drawings like he oh, wants Brendan Fraser tragic. to pose for him, yeah. And so there, there's a, it's more. It, at first, it's about the kind of like sexual charge, and you're like, oh, he's kind of manipulating him into taking off his shirt, and mm-hmm. it's like kind of sexy and kind of dirty and kind of gross. Yeah, it's very sexy. I'm like, you know, he's I'm he's flapping his collar. Yeah, um, go ahead, continue. Um, but then at the end, when he's talking about how like his his infirmity has kind of stripped him of all the joys of his life. He shows the results of all the drawings that he's done, and it's just scribbles. Like, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't have the motor skills to make art happen anymore. Uh-huh. And it's so sad. Yeah. I don't know if that would have been true for someone in their 60s. Like, I feel like, you know, that decline. In no, he, he'd had a stroke. Yeah, I still don't know that that would be a thing. But no, I don't know a lot lose, about strokes. Yeah, you would lose your motor skills after a stroke. Really? Or after the one that he had, Because they for still sure. showed him, like, to be really functional. Yeah, well, I mean, it, they don't all do everything. Not all, sh- like, str- all strokes are different. Okay. But a lot of people have to relearn a lot of motor skills and activities and w- even walking after a stroke. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, so that, that would have, that's not wrong. Oh, okay. Um, and then also he talks about his, like, kind of first boyfriend in the war who, like, they don't even, you know, touch or kiss but they were in love and they'd spent time together mm-hmm. and then he was very killed. bent yeah oh yeah and he was also in that yeah, movie Ian was also in bent um but he talked his, his boyfriend gets killed in the war and he gets like thrown up against the barbed wire mm-hmm. and it's too far for anyone to go retrieve him without like entering no man's land mm-hmm. so Every morning and every night when they like stand up to the dis- to, to do the salute, they see him just slowly rotting away on the <laughs> fence. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh-uh, that is wild. No, thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, we should move on. Yeah. To campiness. What's your campiness score? Two. Yeah, me too. All right. There's some, there's some silly stuff, but not it's not really. I don't know that it's silly. It's just that there's some stuff that's comedy. Um, True. My favorite part is when. It's at the garden party. He's oh being introduced to Queen Margaret. And Princess she, Margaret. Princess Margaret, sorry. And she's presented as something of like an airhead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as like the vapid royals who are responsible for the lives of many, but are really just kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but you still have to like kiss the finger. <laughs> Which finger? I don't know. Kiss the ring. <laughs> Fine. Kiss the ring. Or curtsy. Whatever it is people do for the royals. Um so and then Ian McKellen makes a joke about how like uh, Brendan Fraser's character has never met a princess before, just queens. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was. I love that joke. I plan on using it several times whenever I meet a princess. Oh yeah. Prepare yourself, Elsa. All right. <laughs> okay, and um, I also another thing from that scene that I loved is that he introduced um Boone. He's like, oh, this is my gardener, and she was like, has no idea what to do about meeting a gardener, and she just says, I adore gardens. Yeah. Um, which is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I mean, Lynn Redgrave does not know how to crack an egg. She threw an eggshell at the sink at yeah. one point. <laughs> she like basically puts the whole thing in her hand and crushes it and lets the egg drip out. Uh-huh. It's 
so disgusting. It was insane. But like, let's be fair. Dame Lynn Redgrave is not out here cracking eggs in her spare time. Well, yeah, exactly. But she should have, you know, observed for the role. Yeah. One of the best egg cracking scenes was in The Hours, released, I think, like a year or two later, right? It was like 2004, I think. Really? I thought it was like 1999. No. God, I'm so bad. I'm sorry. Hours fans. (laughs) Go ahead, Brendan. The Hours Hive will come after you on Twitter. (laughs) They really will. (laughs) Um. Anyway, um. There's a little bit of silliness in some of the drama. Like after, in a very important moment, Brendan Fraser is like staring at his reflection in a sink full of water, and you're like, okay, fine. Yeah. Um. And there's a really great moment where Ian McKellen is puffing on a cigar, and it's the oh. most phallic thing you will ever see it's in a movie. It's not the most phallic thing. It's the most like you know blowjob ready like queen you know blowjob horrific yeah he like sucks on yeah the it cigar. is it is it's good technique like let's yeah. just put that out there ian mckellen knows what he's doing <laughs> well he sure does um anyway actually this is a good uh segue instead of effects we're gonna just do out of five gayness so what are you thinking um like as a gay movie I give it a three, mm-hmm. but on a four, like it's it's a strong three. I was, I was also gonna give it a strong three, but I lean towards four, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna land on that. Okay. Um. What 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 are your thoughts, Serge? Um. It was pretty overtly gay. You knew that Ian McKellen's character was gay. Um. There wasn't a lot like there. Like what I mean, like there was no like you know gayness necessarily. But it was also just very, very in terms gay. of like physical touching. Yeah, like nobody was making out. There yeah. was no like you know jerking off. I expected that's what I expected uh, Brendan Fraser's character to do, was for him to just kind of like bust out into a solo scene where he's jerking off with <laughs> Ian McKellen. Uh, but that did not happen. Like Falcon Entertainment presents. Yeah. Gods and monsters. <laughs> um, but it was all just very like heavy. Um, but there was still kind of like that veil of presentability. Yeah, it it's definitely a a gay movie in the sense that the Oscars would want to reward in 1998 because mm-hmm. it's a very uh, dry. It's it's it talks about it, it just never shows it. Not necessarily. Well, see, here's there's two moments that do that I want to give it credit for. Um cuz he does kiss David in the beginning. It's a dry kiss. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, they're a broken up couple that mm-hmm. still love each other but aren't, you know, like passionate and they're old. Uh-huh. So they they get that kiss and there's also he does have flashbacks to like a naked pool party and mm-hmm. we do we do get some full frontal in there mm-hmm. um see for me like those are like kind of like those are gay but they're not really like sexually charged i would say well see here's the thing i i don't think um the character is capable of having sex i don't know that that's true because i think his interactions with david are very sexually charged whether or not he's capable of having sex isn't really the point. Yeah. There no, is, just, like, some just sexual energy, you know? Yeah. No, he has a lot of sexual energy, and the male gaze is aplenty in this movie, uh-huh. which is why I give it the four also. Uh-huh. Because um, we do criticize a lot of gay movies for being about longing glances mm-hmm. and all that stuff and, like, not actually consummating anything uh-huh. because that's what feels safe for, like, a heterosexual environment. Uh-huh. But I think that that suits the story that this movie is telling mm-hmm. about alienation and about not being able to do the things that you want. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it it's it, it's in service to this narrative, even though it's part of a larger like culture mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily approve of. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and yeah, and we get look a gay older actor playing a gay older character still isn't really happening. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's an incredible casting arrangement. Mm-hmm. Also directed by a gay director. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 really solid in terms of like how it's constructed and in representing, I don't know what this life would be like for this person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that's my thoughts. All right, cool. Is it weird that years later, uh, Bill Condon and Ian McKellen would reunite for the good liar, um, starring another great gay actor, Russell Tovey. Yes. And he gets to be gay too in the movie. Yeah. Ish. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> again, Bill Condon is, uh, a mainstream director, so he's he's he includes the gays, which is subversive enough for him. Uh-huh. I mean, like, seeing as how we're pulling on Bill Condon as a director, he did receive flack for barely making La Femme or whatever. La Fou. La Fou. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes me problematic or not. Um, but La Fou as a as a gay character in Beauty and the Beast. Um, I don't. I was. Yeah. Okay. I still stand by my statement that the gay scenes are not as like sexual as they could be. It's presented as like dry, almost like void of sexuality. In in this movie? In this movie. Okay. Um and I don't know that I would necessarily say that that's merits a four. Okay. See, I mean, I look, I've I've made my point about how it used kind of the gay environment of the time Mm -hmm. to, to its benefit. Mm -hmm. And I look, I found it erotic. I mean, I found it erotic in a way of like, you didn't watch this with me because I watched it for queer wolf, but there's Mm -hmm. a movie called Dracula's daughter, which Mm -hmm. is the sequel to Dracula. Mm -hmm. And it's a very lesbianic film, Mm -hmm. which, you know, obviously can't do anything Mm because it's the Mm thirties. Um, and that movie also has a very powerful, like portrait making scene, where she's painting a lady and kind of undressing her a little bit. Portrait of a lady on fire. Yeah, there, there's a bit of that. Um, so yeah, that that I think I have a little more context and for like the particular flavor of like old timey gayness that they're kind of doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, it is more elliptical. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I th- I thought there was tension. There is. Ian McKellen is trying to undress every man who enters his sphere. Yep. Like he, this is a horny old man. Yeah. And I, I think that he is presented very much as a predator, but in a way that is somewhat sympathetic and somewhat not. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the monsters. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that this is a horny movie. And even if it's not about physical touching, I think that horniness makes it gay enough for me. Mm hmm. Okay, fair enough. All right, so what's your quality score? I give it a 4.5. Ooh, okay. Yeah, you know, I the like decimal <laughs> system. <laughs> um, like I mentioned before, this movie is very much my thing. I do uh-huh. love a drama. I do love a gay drama. I do love a historical gay drama. And mm. I do love that it's set, um, like about old Hollywood. Like mm. I do love learning about, you know, what old queers were up to. Yeah. How they like... George Cukor. <laughs> how they lived their lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see that it was sunshine and rainbows and pool parties before it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And so in the beginning, in McKellen or James Whale is telling that Twink film student who's interviewing him about George Cukor's like wild Sunday brunches with a bunch of trade and for the and for leftovers. the fans out there who don't know who George Cukor is, who is he, Brennan? Um, well, I will look up his IMDb. Um, he was involved with Gone with the Wind, although I think he may have left the project at some point. Um, he's not a figure that I'm incredibly interested in. He directed My Fair Lady. He directed The Philadelphia Story and A Star Is Born. Like mm-hmm. he, you know, he'd done a lot of stuff. Um, did he do? For the record, um, when the movie talks about George Cukor making A Star Is Born and mentioning that he's gay, Brendan was like, "Of course." <laughs> You just screamed well, that out well, like an obvious Because he fact. worked with Judy all the time. Yeah. Um, he is one of many uncredited directors on The Wizard of Oz. Or uncredited something or other. I don't know. He worked with Judy a lot. Mm. Um, so basically, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not an old Hollywood gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I am a film history person. Mm-hmm. Um, but just not that not that deep into the like judy of it all necessarily mm-hmm. um i could be and i could stand to watch Learn more, some more movies and i would like to but i'm just i'm not really there all right we'll start um, with judy tonight we'll rent it on Redbox. god uh, no how about we start with a star clang, is clang, clang, want the trolley okay zing, 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 okay, 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 okay um but yeah no so no so the he tells the twink about george cuker's like wild gay brunches mm-hmm. and then later on um the twink gets a job with george cuker and i'm like oh did he use this information to like you know manipulate him and like kind of seduce him into mm-hmm. getting a job mm-hmm. um anyway my it's quality score common. i feel like we know people who've done that oh for sure um but anyway my quality score i'm giving it a four out of five as well okay like, i was i was moved by this movie and it's definitely more low-key in the drama um but it, I found it an interesting character study. And it's, it's subdued. It is subdued. But it's very good. Yeah, subdued is not bad. Yeah. Um, there are some... Wrecks you. Yeah. Like a good night. Oh, God. Um, there are some, like, a little bit of heavy-handed, like, Bill Condony touches every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, the reflection scene. Yeah, it's, there's a little bit in some of the, the ways that flashbacks are triggered are very, like... Like, the screen goes wavy. They're a little... Bold. <laughs> Do you think that that was um, like a shout out to the original Frankenstein movie or Bride of Frankenstein movie? I don't think so. Where, you know, it was also like very heavy handed and kind of like campy and, you know. Maybe. Uh, oh, that that's getting into some really gray area about intention. I just, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked the movie a lot. I had a good time. Yeah, me too. Um, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's not often that we get to see a dramatic movie for this podcast. We mostly see them after I force Brennan to. Yep. Um, but this was a movie that he kind of forced me to see. You're welcome. Because I was fighting it because I was like, I need to be in the right state of mind, which for me translated into sober. Uh-huh. Um, and that's not me, often late at night. Uh-huh. So it, I'm happy that we saw it this beautiful Tuesday morning. Yeah, me too. Um, and next week, we'll be watching a movie that you don't need to be sober for. Um, but before I tell you what it is, here's how you can get in contact with the show. You can find us on Twitter uh, at Scream101Pod. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars, please, for this beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Um, and next week, we're going to be catching up with our, our old pal Frankenstein in a little movie called I Frankenstein starring Aaron Eckhart. Oh, I cannot wait. Oh my god, it's gonna be it's gonna be something. It's gonna be so good. All right. Until next week, good luck on your journey. Stay gold, everybody. Bye. Bye.
This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart.